0: To another episode, here we go. We're back in. Uh, yeah, suddenly we're w- working our way around. Um, yeah, it's Tuesday when I'm recording this. I had to tell myself then exactly what day it was, and uh, yeah, no, it is a Tuesday, it, it was definitely a Tuesday. So, uh, just keep on reminding myself of all those things. Um, so, uh, yeah, exciting times, and uh, yeah, we're, we're back around. Um, I was just trying to think what I've actually done. Like Since I recorded the last pod, not a lot. I, I have done some baking. Um, I gave in, and um, so I did manage to get some clotted cream. Because everyone, saw, uh, if you ever went to the supermarket this weekend, because it was a long bank holiday, I think everyone was doing uh, street parties with clotted cream. So I couldn't get any clotted cream. And uh, I was really fancy, because yeah, everyone else was having it. Uh, so I managed to get myself clotted cream. So before uh, I'd even started work this morning, I woke up really early for some reason. So like at quarter to six, I guarantee tomorrow morning I won't wake up that early and I need to. Um. So um. I woke up really early and was like, right, might as well get up. So I'd, I'd already baked scones by like eight o'clock this morning. um. And so it was exciting. So I've got some nice uh, cream tea after they've finished recording this. So uh, I'm quite looking forward to that. So yeah, kettle on in a second and uh, cream tea before I go out for my walk. Um, I'm quite excited though, tomorrow I'm going into work, so uh, if you're in school, so uh, look out for me then, I will be back in tomorrow, um, back in school, uh, doing an exciting day for all the key workers and vulnerables, so all good fun, and uh, yeah, we're excited to be back in, and uh, it's, it's just another day isn't it, so one well, bit by bit we're going through, I, I realised I didn't do a shout out uh, yesterday and I marked up, I, I missed a shout out. So um, uh, I, I said we you know the weekend did my quiz on Friday yesterday. So I did do my quiz and uh, I did really well actually this week until it comes to the music round. I'm terrible about with music. It appears so uh, I I can't I just can't name songs. I, I sing along to, to the radio. I I know all the songs. Don't don't worry. I'm not that weird. I just don't listen to any like contemporary music. Um, no, I do. I listen to loads. Um, but. I just don't know why any of the songs are called. So you get to the music round and you're like, I've just done, just done. I did really well on everything else, like citizenship test. So it was a British round this week so, and I did really well. And um, But I did say sh- shout out to... Uh, the guys who ran the quiz this weekend uh simon and Rhoda because uh it was great it was absolutely great and i got bonus points as well for just you know shout outs on the pods. so i'm hoping this week you know oh mark and Rachel are running it this week so a uh, shout out to you guys might get another uh bonus point need every point i can get and um, just i still haven't won i still haven't won i'm normally i'm pretty good at pub quizzes and uh being by yourself is really hard work when you do a pub quiz um a, zo- oh, a zoom quiz um and uh, yeah, I've still not won one yet. So I, I need to start up my game. I've already started thinking of rounds of when I do win, and I have to actually do the quiz. I've already started to think about some rounds. Um, apparently uh, my bridges round when I did the pub quiz last time and ran it, um, it was uh, has gone down in infamy, um, because apparently it was so weird that we had a round of bridges, even though everyone did really well on it. So it wasn't have been that bad a round but it's just gone down. It's just one of those most random rounds I've ever think I've ever created for anyone. So if you ever want a bridge round, I've got a nice bridge round for anyone who's writing a quiz. <laughs> and it's just, it's actually really good. It works really well. Loads of people know loads about bridges, even though you don't think you know about bridges. Um. So yeah, there we go. I'm about to go for a walk. It looks nice outside. So, um, thankfully it's sunny still. Um, and, uh, This will be the last one where I can only go out for once in a day. As of tomorrow, we can go out for twice. Ooh! Or or more if you're really so inclined um to exercise more than that. Um so but I am quite excited the fact that you can go out. Not that I probably will, because I'll be busy all day, but uh the fact that you can just just makes you feel like you've got a bit more control. So I'm looking forward to having a little bit more control over what you do in your day. I'll go for a walk in the morning just to, well, not tomorrow, i 'cause I'm gonna go to work and it will just be like a normal day at work. But um Thursday, I might go for a walk first thing in the morning and then come home and then go for another walk later on in the day. I mean, you know, we live live some lives, don't we, at the moment. Like <laughs> when that becomes an exciting thought, you know that life has changed a lot, don't you? Um so I thought today we'd look at um uh, an Scottish mathematician we haven't done huge amounts of Scottish mathematicians and um, I just thought oh, we're, we're still in the Renaissance so we're still um, looking at some different uh, mathematicians in the Renaissance um, and so in British mathematics um, so obviously Scotland and England are not the United Kingdom at this point when uh, this guy is born um, but they are by the time he actually gets going um, so uh, he is a British mathematician and yeah, we haven't, it's like any of them, they're massively influenced by Sir Isaac Newton. So just to kind of give you a clue, Sir Isaac Newton kind of, it's not just this huge thing that we think about now, um, but actually he was so influential on his contemporaries um, that his whole body of work influenced what everyone else was doing. So if you were friends with Newton, you kind of were in favour, and so therefore you could get more and more stuff, whereas um, it's much harder work if you're not. Oh, okay, it's the, the delivery man has just come, and I'm like, ooh, and then, no, it's not, it's for next door, standard. Um, <laughs> So, um, uh, so yeah, so so Isaac Newton kind of has a big kind of influence on all the mathematicians that are going on in Britain at the time. And across, you know, the continent as well. But obviously we know that Newton-Leibniz had their falling out. So we're going to look at a guy called Colin McLaurin. And he is famous for the McLaurin series, um, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, And it gave his name to several bits um, as well, um, including some bits with Euler. Now, McLaurin uh, was Scottish, so he um, was born in um, a place called Kilmodern in which just really rural kind of place in Scotland in 1698 and yeah his dad was a minister of a parish um and he kind of just went through his childhood a bit like that now until his um he started up um some uh, his father had done some uh, correspondence with um a, a metaphysician called uh, Jonathan Edwards um, and so he'd been writing letters backwards and forwards. So there would been some kind of influence on learning, um, not just being his father being a parish minister, but there would been some kind of learning that had been going on in the whole household. Now his father died um, when he was just six weeks old, though, so he kind of didn't really have that relationship with that. Um, but so he went to his early life uh, into where his um, mother had inherited some land. Um and so they went to um Dumbarton. Um now when he was nine years old, it gets a bit more tragic, yeah, I'm afraid, um, his mother actually died as well. And so he moved in with his um uncle called Daniel McLaurin, who is a minister in Loch uh, Lochfine. So a bit tragic so far. And but Colin was a gifted kind of student and he'd been at school in Dumbarton, um and he went to university to at the University of Glasgow in 1709 now you've just not clocked some dates yet have you I don't think everyone's yes lovely he's gone to university in 1709 he was born in 17 uh, sorry in 1698 so he went to university at the age of 11 years old okay one of about 400 students and and he went to a ele- university at 11. I mean, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, because that's not how we would work today. But the whole Scottish system at the time basically meant that schools and universities competed for the best pupils. And so they looked at how uh, you were not uh, gaining a qualification at school and then going on to university. Actually, they were looking for the best students they could and how they could influence them. So he began to uh, go to Glasgow University at 11. Um, and so he, I mean, at that, I having been to university, I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I did, like, by the third year, I barely understood anything. Let alone kind of, you know, having to do that at 11 feels a bit weird. Like, especially being distanced from your family as well. That, that's one of the joys about going to university. Is that not? That I love my parents dearly, dearly, but it's, you know you get it's almost like a rite of passage to be able to move out of home and have that kind of structure with your friends and get to know other people. Um, but that obviously wasn't the case back then as well in 1709. So we're two years into uh, the union of the United Kingdom as well. So um, yeah, so he starts at university, and he quickly began to show his high level of understanding. And his ability and so he started to uh, study some real advanced mathematics um, just a year into starting at university Um, and he found one of our favorite books um, in our podcast so uh, Euclid's Elements uh, in one of his friend's rooms and as it was a standard text as we know when we spoke about Euclid's Elements kind of this book kind of influenced maths for centuries up until relatively recently kind of that was the book to learn and so he quickly started to learn and to understand Euclid's Elements so he did the first six of the 13 books in Euclid's Elements um, and off he went Uh, and this was then how he kind of started and he started to become interested in uh, geometry and what he could possibly do so this is age 11 so a year into university so he's now twelve. He's probably eleven or twelve. So year seven. And he's um studying Euclid's elements and understanding it. There we go. Challenge is on. So all these things that we keep on talking about, they're accessible to you guys. Yep. Uh so age fourteen, McLaurin gets awarded his degree. So he gets a degree in Latin, Greek, logic, moral philosophy, natural philosophy and mathematics. And he gets a master's degree. Now, a master's degree at the time was equivalent to our first degree, so a bachelor's degree um, that we would know now, so like what I would have for my own university. Um, but at the time, it was uh, normal for Scottish universities to um, give a degree of MA, so a Master of Arts, um, which is above a bachelor's degree. Um, and he needed to, to get his degree, he'd have to, he had to produce a, a thesis and... Um, which a lot of people have to do, and then he would then have to sit an exam, um, which you don't have to do today, thank goodness. Um, defending his thesis, and the thesis that he chose was on the power of gravity, um, which was this topic. So he looked at Newton's theories on gravity, and considering this is all quite new at the time, um, and had a real good understanding and. For a fourteen-year-old, some very deep ideas on advanced ideas, and um, to be familiar with. Um, so he graduated, and and he started another year um, studying divinity to start to go to be uh, to work within the church. So the Presbyterian Church in Scotland. Uh, he then fell out with that and decided that he didn't want to do that. Um, we kind of see these links of kind of common themes going through, kind of a lot of kind of mathematicians start by studying uh, divinity at university as well Um, as we're going through Euclid's elements, Newton and uh, studying uh, to be a minister and uh, a lot of uh, children of ministers as well who become leading mathematicians. Um, So he kind of carried on living uh, and working um, and he kind of started teaching Another kind of idea that we kind of spotting kind of links to as well. And so he would um, start to work as he went through um, until he uh, was appointed um, a professor of mathematics at Marischal College in the University of Aberdeen. Now, you know, if we think of a professor being old, wise, I think, yeah, he was 19. So um, he had to just sit 10 days of exams. To find the best candidate. And he was the, by far and away the most outstanding candidate. A 10 day interview. I mean, that's a blooming it. I mean, to sit an exam is ridiculous, but like to sit 10 days of exams uh, for a job interview is, uh, well, blows my mind. But um, uh, here we go. Um, and so he became um, and took his chair as the professor of mathematics at Marischal College and the University of Aberdeen. So, what did he get up to whilst he was in Aberdeen? So, he kind of went, took a couple of trips to London. Now, London, home of the cafes, uh, the discussion places, and obviously he'd been a big fan of um, Newton and his ideas, and he'd written his um, thesis on it. So, it was natural that really he um, would meet Newton whilst he was there. and. Part of that, though, was that he went to the Royal Society. So we've discussed the Royal Society before, this kind of great body in London who still exists today, who discussed uh, mathematical and scientific thinking. Um, so uh, then he's just really been formed. And he's elected a fellow of the Royal Society. So don't forget, he's, he's still quite young. He's probably in his 20s at this point. So very much that. And... Um, so although his kind of titles seemed much older than what he was actually doing, a Fellow of the Royal Society is a very, you know, high prestigious kind of um, honour and becoming a professor at that age. a uh, Professor any age is, you know, a huge honour and uh, uh, provided you with a job for life, money for life, a pension, um, a stipend. Uh, it just created lots of kind of big things for you. Actually, he's still relatively young. And that's important because what comes next is that um, some uh, a guy called Lord Polworth um, arrives at, at the University of Aberdeen. And he comes, um, uh, he's a diplomatic agent of the king, King George II, and he arrives and uh, asks MacLaurin if he would accompany his son uh, to go on his grand tour. Now, the Grand Tour was uh, a way of a uh, very um, privileged and uh, yeah aristocratic gentlemen to go away across Europe to discover themselves. It's kind of a glorified gap year, really. Um, gap-yar. Gap-yar, I think, more would be the way my gap year was working in Legoland. Uh, this is more going on a Grand Tour around Venice and uh, sunning yourself and learning about... Um, you know the grand masters so what you would do is you would go and you would discover kind of Europe and the grand history the classical civilizations. so you'd go to Greece you'd go to Rome you'd go to um, through France and you would um, discover kind of lots of these things and so the grand tour was a huge thing that people would go on and the richer you were the bigger the grand tour you would go um, and you would take people with you. And so McLaurin went uh, to uh, uh, with uh, George Hume um, on his grand tour. Um, now, he decided really, part of his reason was that he would then be able to reach some French mathematicians and be able to have some discussions about those sort of things. Because, you know, he's up in Aberdeen. It's a bit cut off um, from the wider mathematical world. Um, and obviously the whole conflict with uh, Newton and Leibniz had cut off British mathematics a little bit. So therefore, to be able to go and have these grander discussions about what was going on was important. There's no kind of Facebook at the time. So he goes off on his grand tour. Apart from he forgets to tell his employers that he's going on a grand tour. And so they decide to sack him. Um, especially as this grand tour is not kind of a quick holiday around Europe. Um He went for two years. So, yeah, not quite of a quick uh, thing. Um, It ends a bit tragically, though, because the guy he's travelling with, Lord Paul son, uh, George, uh, dies. He gets ill and dies in Montpellier in France. Um, And so he comes home and he returns to Aberdeen. And he's basically been told, you're kind of off, mate. Um, so he was uh, not at best pleased. Um, However, he kind of made it up to them, and uh, he was reinstated to the chair. Um, But it kind of created a bit of a falling out, and so McLaurin decided that he really wanted the uh, position at the University of Edinburgh. Of course, uh, kind of a big kind of institution in Scotland, um, the University of Edinburgh... Um, and it was currently occupied by a guy called James Gregory. Now, James Gregory um, was had been the chair for a while, but it had become too ill to carry out what he should have been doing, which was teaching and discovering new things. And so the University of Edinburgh had kind of decided that it wanted to create a joint professorship. Um, so McLaurin was kind of in the prime position for this, being a Scottish mathematician and he had some powerful advocates because whilst he'd been in London and been discussing things Newton kind of wrote letters to support his um position as going in towards um the uh chair at Edinburgh University um and so that's what kind of happened next uh, His he became um still quite relatively young um he was um so he took his chair in seventeen twenty-five. So he was twenty-seven at the time. Um and so he took up his chair at the University of Edinburgh. And that's where he stayed. So he spent the rest of his career at the University of Edinburgh. Now, he was a really popular teacher. Um and so they would have like classes of over a hundred students. Um, and uh, it's quoted as saying uh, McLaren was uh, a fa- uh, this time a favourite professor and uh, no wonder as he was the clearest and most agreeable lecturer on that abstract science that I ever I heard, he made mathematics a fashionable study, oh, of course it is of course it's fashionable, um, but he was such a good teacher in the lectures that actually he um had created an atmosphere within the University of Edinburgh that people wanted to study maths And so when they came, you had much more choice um, about what you would study whilst you were there and therefore he would do that. He also uh, was starting to pick up some um, bigger things um, across uh, Europe as well. So he was starting to work in geometry um, and studying uh, plane curves. So plane as in aeroplane, uh, plane curves. And so kind of curves that occur on a plane. Um, And... Oh... And so he's uh, created something um, that he did there. And what he did was he actually um, was awarded a massive prize. So he was awarded a second prize from the Academie des Sciences in Paris. That was a terrible bit of a French. I'll redo that. The Academie des Sciences. Uh, that's still terrible. But anyway, that, that, that's he were awarded him a prize. And um, he, what was it? He really did was he used. Um, Newton's theory of gravity to show that a smooth sphere covered by a sufficiently deep ocean under the tidal force of a single deforming body, i.e. a moon, is a prolet spheroid with a major axis directed towards the deforming body. In other words, the Earth, if it's got a big enough moon, uh, isn't a um, full sphere. So it's a bit squashed. Um, and he kind of proved that. And it was jointly awarded to McLaurin, Euler, and Daniel Bernoulli. Now, Daniel Bernoulli is the son of the Bernoullis. And so he was, um, these were the three big uh, hitters of the day. So Euler and Bernoulli, Daniel Bernoulli, were the two big uh, mathematicians of the day. And putting McLaurin in with those kind of shows his kind of standing that it was starting to become. And what he worked on next was a bit two-volume treatise um, uh, called the Treatise of Fluxions. And he kind of worked on Newton's methods of calculus and started to make it on a much bigger, uh, more rigorous foundation. Because most of what we had from Newton up to this point was really exciting and really new, but it didn't have deep foundations. It didn't have all the kind of... uh, thinking that needed to prove its existence and what happens in certain circumstances and things would not be fully done because of that and so uh, mclaurin then starts to be able to work on that on his treatise of fluxions and what he did was he took a Taylor series which is when you take a, um, a function and if you uh, um, if you studied functions so far so say f of x if you put a number in say a into that function and uh, say a substitution, if you're doing it. Um, and then what you would do is you would then start to differentiate it using calculus and you would get a better and better approximation to the function. So you could create a polynomial that would link to a function. So if you wanted to say, for example, sine x, uh, if you've been studying uh, trigonometry, um, then you could create a polynomial that would get a better and better approximation for sine x. Um, and that would be a process that you'd go through through calculus. Now, what Maclaurin did was he took it one step further. And so this is Maclaurin's uh, series. And so you add up all the things together. So you take uh, f of 0, and then you add on f dash of 0, so the first derivative of the function at 0, and multiply that by x. And then you take the second derivative and multiply that by x squared, and but then it starts to go a little bit wrong. So you end up having to divide it um, by certain numbers as well. Um but you end up with uh McLaren series. Um and look it up online, it's uh it's very beautiful. It looks very exciting and it looks like really complicated when you look at it. But actually the kind of the level of the kind of understanding of it is not actually that huge, it's only a level. And um, and it goes on further, obviously, to that. Um, but it kind of meant that these sorts of things put Newton's calculus on much better, more rigorous footing, um, because of this. Um, because Newton's theories had all been kind of abstract at this point—not abstract, but had not had the deep thinking that it had needed—and um, didn't have that basis onto sort of Greek mathematics that was important for mathematicians to accept. And the only way that you could actually move Newton's theories forward outside of what those specific bits that Newton had worked on was to sort of expand it and make it sure it was a bit more sure- sure-footed. Um, so that's what he kind of did, and that's what he's most famous for. But he did also come up with um, some other things as well. So he worked on um, some actuarial science things as well, so on the insurance, because Edinburgh being a big financial centre, um, but he also um, worked with Euler on what's called the euler maclaurin summation formula. He worked on uh, ellipsoids. He worked on the fundamental theorem of calculus. He um, worked on how to find a maxima, how to find a minima. Um, so huge things that he actually worked on. And so that is Maclaurin. But what had been really exciting about Maclaurin was that, that actually not everything was about what he did. Um, and so um, during his lifetime so one of the biggest things that he uh, was published was his treatise on algebra and it was published two years after he died um, he also uh, did something on uh, Sir Isaac Newton's discoveries but it wasn't actually published um, so yeah it was left incomplete that was what he was working on as he died um, so he did lots of amazing things but it's influence from such a young age so kind of you know really really young kind of going to university at age 11 and discovering all these things in his 20s and his 30s because he'd worked on it so early kind of was really important actually so there we go there's mclaurin um so hopefully that's been interesting anyway if not just just think you could be doing some amazing things at university right now i mean let's be honest you can just go to university now from your home there's what's going to end up happening at the moment by the looks of it so uh um but there we go so hopefully you enjoyed that um that's it for today Ho- i hopefully i'll be with you tomorrow i'll am do some research whilst i'm in school tomorrow um uh so yeah i should be when i get home tomorrow night uh, ready to do another podcast might see if i can get a little uh guest on uh so shout out mr Goodlad. hopefully see you tomorrow um and uh hopefully we will be back um keep well stay well and go well and uh see speak to you all soon. Bye bye.